0: Pacific fisheries scientists and technical experts are eager to help island communities grow their aquaculture industries, saying they have the potential to deliver simultaneous benefits to regional economies and the environment. Gathered this week in New Caledonia to discuss and find solutions to the challenges facing coastal fisheries and aquaculture development in the region are fisheries experts, scientists, academics and industry stakeholders. Joining me from the Pacific's main regional scientific organisation, the Pacific Community, or SPC, is aquaculture advisor Tim Pickering. Kia ora, Tim, and welcome on Pacific Waves. Tell us more about the purpose of this week's meeting.
1: Yeah, certainly, this is the regional Uh, technical meeting on coastal fisheries and aquaculture for all uh, scientists, all those with scientific interest uh, among our SPC membership uh, in uh, coastal fisheries and aquaculture. It's the fifth uh, in a series of meetings that started from 2017, uh, and the purpose is to bring together all the coastal fisheries and aquaculture scientists in the region to discuss matters of importance to us, uh, in particular challenges and uh, opportunities in our field.
0: We hear a lot about tuna. There's a lot of funding for tuna, coastal fisheries, uh, aquaculture. It's not. It's not a very well-funded area in the Pacific, is it? Despite, um, and that's not proportional to how important it is for food security to Pacific Island countries.
1: Yes, you're quite right. Historically, it hasn't had the prominence that it deserves, uh, but uh, the mounting body of evidence uh, is that uh, when you look uh, not just at money earned but money saved by having fish for food security available in our coastal waters and through aquaculture, uh, the values are not too terribly different between coastal fisheries and aquaculture in this region and uh, the tuna fisheries. Uh, It's just that there's a lot of uh, social and other things which are hard to value. But uh, the turnaround came uh, starting from... Uh, the, uh, a report called the New Song on Coastal Fisheries, which led to a new regional architecture. Uh, previously, these issues didn't make it right to the top, but now a connection has been made from this meeting to the Heads of Fisheries uh, meetings, which is an annual meeting of all fisheries directors, who are mostly tuna people, I must say, and then from there, any issues uh, from our technical level, which they deem important uh, with policy implications, they can make decisions or they can refer even higher up in the chain of the regional meetings architecture to the regional fisheries ministers meeting so that gets it up to the political level and uh, what's happened with coastal fisheries is it was deemed uh, sufficiently important to fisheries ministers that they have a mechanism to then refer specific issues uh, to the pacific islands forum leaders uh, meeting the the annual event and that happened in the case of coastal fisheries and aquaculture got referred to the uh, forum leaders meeting and the result is that it now is a standing agenda item for every annual uh, meeting of the Pacific Islander leaders on coastal fisheries and aquaculture. So in the last five years, we've seen a, seen a turnaround, a big turnaround in the amount of attention and uh, the amount of resources being allocated uh, to trying to boost up this area of our very important marine resources.
0: I'll come to aquaculture in a second, but w- w- with coastal fisheries, how, what are the issues here? What are, what are the important issues um, being considered, being looked at? What are the challenges that need addressing?
1: Well, the the challenges for this particular meeting uh, we established by uh, having a survey of our members and asking them to identify their two top issues. And from that, we, uh, we construct an agenda. And the main issues of concern to our members in the technical area for this meeting is uh, firstly changing behaviour through monitoring, con- control, surveillance and education, or MCS&E in fisheries and aquaculture. Secondly, there are some species such as sea cucumbers are now being covered by the uh, Convention on uh, Trade and Endangered Species, or CITES, and there's a lot of scientific needs to come up with non-detriment findings, which our members uh, lack capacity to comply with. So uh, we need to respond to the increased scientific demands of managing sea cucumber fisheries. Uh, Thirdly, uh, we are developing a regional aquaculture strategy, which in the post-COVID era is going to guide our general regional direction for the next 10 years, uh, picking up in particular on things like restorative or extractive or uh, unfed aquaculture or aquaculture that is what we call nature-positive. The fourth uh, issue we're going to home in on is um, aquatic biosecurity, uh, because the, a lot of countries feel under pressure to introduce species for aquaculture because we lack um, good domesticated varieties of the common aquaculture commodities like uh, shrimp and prawns and so forth. So, aquatic biosecurity capacity is a, a key theme which is running through the work that we're doing and. Now we're boosting that up. And lastly, uh, we've developed a lot of new tools and apps uh, for the very vexed question of data collection and, uh, and storage, uh, which will assist fisheries and aquaculture science. And we're going to demo these tools and apps uh, in the session on the third day of this meeting.
0: Now, for, for aquaculture, would it be fair to say it's, it's still a budding industry for the Pacific? It's not, it's not something that's widespread uh, at any commercial sort of level?
1: There's been very widespread in our efforts to try and get meaningful aquaculture industries going, uh, but the outcome of our regional aquaculture assessment that we completed earlier this year is that uh, it's fallen short of the uh, promise, and uh, often for reasons which fall out of the technical sphere. But uh, the, our members are convinced that there is still a lot of untapped potential that we can get from aquaculture, and uh, that's the uh, the rationale driving this development of a regional aquaculture strategy is to identify what are the low-hanging fruit, review the the lessons that have been learned, and do some targeted interventions which are going to uh, open up some new possibilities. And already we've identified some uh, very good candidates for that. In particular, filter feeding shellfish uh, such as oysters is uh, something which has been uh, very little done in this region but has a huge potential. Uh, But there's always been a a couple of constraints. Uh, One is in hatchery capacity, uh, which we lack compared to Australia and New Zealand. And the other is uh, systems for uh, food safety and quality assurance, uh, which the Pacific Island countries also lack compared to Australia and New Zealand. But through tech, uh, technology transfer and by focusing on these particular species, we can capitalize on these opportunities and we can get a lot more tonnage and value out of our waters.
0: Is, is market access much of a problem for aquaculture?
1: Well, uh, in the example I just mentioned for filter feeding shellfish, market access is absolutely a problem because without quality assurance and food safety, you cannot uh, access much markets at all, except at a very localised level. So that would be the key to it. And that comes through the aquatic biosecurity of putting in the, the food safety assurance programmes. So that's just uh, one example. Uh, market access has all been uh, tricky for us because of reasons of distance, uh, but we have pockets uh, of higher domestic demand, particularly where there are tourism industries, for For example, Fiji is heading for a million visitors uh, in the next year or so. So uh, we we call tourism uh, hidden exports because people pay their ticket to come fly here and eat our local seafood. There's
0: always, I I, I feel, and correct me if I'm wrong here, almost, I wouldn't say a battle, but there's all sort of a, a fine line between environmental conservation efforts and Maximizing resource use and income and food security for Pacific Islanders in this space in the coastal fishery space is 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 a... that something that you you come across? Because I, I have worked with um some local fisheries agencies and that and covering stories in that and there's always sort of arguments within even within departments of conservation versus getting our people in our food and money and and being able to use the resources that they own for improving their lives.
1: Historically, there's always been this tension between environment and development, uh, but there are workarounds in a ways through it. And this is what's uh, where we've come up uh, internationally globally with the concept of restorative aquaculture or nature positive aquaculture, because there are forms of aquaculture that actually improve the environment. So uh, it's not really, what we want to do is to highlight cases where rather than having to choose between environment and development, uh, like in the Iron Man movie, we say, why not have both? Because um, if you have a filter feeding mollusk, uh, dangling on long lines. Uh, They don't have to be fed, so nothing is polluting into the water. They actually extract their food from the water by themselves which helps to combat eutrophication in coastal waters. The farms themselves provide habitat and examples we've uh, piloted here in in Fiji, for example, show that you get more finfish uh, abundance around these farms and then you get bonuses of other species settling on them, uh, such as uh, sea grapes or seaweed, which is very popular locally, there was none in the area we did a demo farm, and now this farm is also covered with sea grapes as well, as well as the the oysters. Uh, It's a a form of agriculture which is more equitable, it's accessible to women and youth, uh, it's close by the village, and it provides them with a local food security and alternative food sources as well as a means of livelihood. So this all ticks a lot of boxes and without cost to the environment. So these are the kinds of uh, options that we need to explore and ramp up. If it was easy, it would have happened long ago. Uh, There are constraints, but uh, our job now is to pinpoint those constraints and address them uh, with the march of progress in technology. And as I mentioned, with a uh, filter-feeding shellfish, the two constraints are hatchery capacity and uh, food quality assurance. And there are systems in place in Australia and New Zealand. We can uh, um, just do a transfer and adopt them locally.
0: Are we to- are we talking mostly oysters? And are there are they are these oysters that are I guess endemic to Pacific? Or are they are they oysters yes, that it's are available? A rock oyster.
1: Produce? we call it a mangrove oyster it's uh, indigenous to the pacific it grows on the roots of mangrove uh, plants but if you uh, put the spat catching materials in the water they will hang on to that and then you can transfer them to baskets and you can grow them the same way as the oysters are done in northland in new zealand or the sydney rock oyster so it's an indigenous oyster uh, and it grows traditionally on mangroves and is a part of the local diet i use that as just one example others are seaweeds uh, for example And uh, sea cucumber is another one, it's a detritivore, gets its own food out of the seabed. So doing releases of uh, sea cucumber uh, also helps uh, to improve the reef as well as provide a crop. And uh, the other way in which it combines with the uh, environment is that when you do the small-scale aquaculture uh, successfully at a community level, it provides uh, an alternative sustainable livelihood, which then incentivizes, it provides incentives for the creation of marine protected areas. marine protected area uh, created at a community level represents a loss of income. Uh, but if you can stock those areas with uh, giant clams or sea cucumber uh, or other species, uh, then people get into protective mode and they want to defend those. And it does incentivize uh, the declaration of MPAs by communities. And we've seen this happen in Fiji, in Tonga, and Solomon Islands, uh, in Vanuatu. So uh, this is, uh, again, where you combine the aquaculture uh, with fisheries, uh, community-based fisheries management, or CBFM.
0: Now, going back to the conference, uh, what what are the... What happens from the the meetings that are happening this week and what are the outcomes and where are they going?
1: Well, Keith, thing I haven't mentioned yet is we're having a community-based fisheries dialogue. Uh, this is a meeting within a meeting where civic society actors and non-state organisations uh, who have uh, strong interests in coastal fisheries and aquaculture, they're going to convene independently And uh, form their own uh, non-government views and there's a channel for them to forward their recommendations into this meeting the regional technical meeting on coastal fisheries and aquaculture and anything which carries great weight can then be carried forward right up to the top political level depending on the seriousness of the issue so we are holding a meeting within a meeting for non-state organisations and civic society Uh, but then the meeting as a whole will take their recommendations plus our own uh, because we are government scientists for the large part uh, plus other institutions like education educational universities and such, uh, we, we provide guidance on technical matters to our members through our outcomes document, and there is a section of the outcomes document which highlights issues which should be carried forward up to the policy level through the next heads of fisheries meeting, and if they consider it to have enough weight, it can go even further up to the region fisheries ministers meeting or even to Pacific leaders themselves. So that's the, uh, the river of uh, uh, information and, and recommendations which which start from here.
0: Thank you so much for your time. All the best for your meetings and deliberations. And I hope great things come from that. Keep up the great work.
1: Thanks. Um... Good to talk to you.